And a man of the house of Levi went and took as wife a daughter of Levi. And so the woman conceived and bore her son. When she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him for three months. When she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of the bulrush for him and dabbed it with asphalt and pitch and put the child in it and laid it in. The reeves of the river bank. His sister stood afar off to know what would be done of him. Now we're going to read Hebrews 11 and 23. Hebrews 11 and 23. By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. We want to share with you about mothers this morning that thrived under some of the worst conditions on the face of this earth and what they did. A person's condition can never get so bad that God can't reach in and bring success. The reason success fails is because the attitude fails and because the Word of God fails to come out of our mouths. We must learn to walk by faith. The just shall live by faith. Now, they had a beautiful child here. Israel was under severe persecution, working harder, longer hours. We talk about long, hard hours, but we don't know what long, hard, hard hours is until you read the book of Exodus and what they went through with. And they had this beautiful child. And all the children, males, were being put to death. Decree to put them all to death because they're multiplying too much and they become afraid of them. But here is a woman by faith hid that child for three months. When she could no longer hide him, she remembered Noah. He built an ark and saved his family. We're to pass this on from one generation to generation. It was passed on from Noah all the way down to the book of Exodus. How this Noah saved his family. And I want to say this morning, if God save Noah's family, he can save your family. Amen? If he saved Rahab's family, he can save your family. It's by faith and reaching out to God. Even though all young males were being put to death, she did not fear. Fear has torment. Fear cancels faith. Fear cancels the ability of God to come and to work. She did have no fear of the king's wrath. She made an ark and put that little boy in there. Faith without works is dead. 
Faith without actions is dead. If you have faith, people say, that I got faith. If they got faith, you will see action in their lives. They will act out what they believe. She began to act out what she believed. She built an ark. She put him in there. And she put Moses' older sister to watch that and see where it went. You say, well, she put her in the ark in the crocodile. She put her in the hands of God. Could I say this morning, put your children in the hands of God. The Bible says nothing can pluck them out of his hand when they're in the hands of God. So that's what she did. She had faith that that boy was going to be all right. And the Bible tells us in Ephesians 5 and 1 to imitate God. In other words, follow his practices. Follow the word of God. And it says imitate the others that has received the promises of God. She is imitating Noah. He has received the promises of God. And she was also going to receive the promises of God. She had three children, Maron and Moses and Aaron. And they all played a major part in delivering Israel out of bondage and through the wilderness. God wants your children to be with you wherever you are. I don't care how bad it gets. The world may reject you. Your friends may reject you, but there's one that will always in this world stand beside of you, and that's your mother. Hmm? When no one else don't like you, I guarantee you, your mother still likes you. I remember something at the graveside at Darlene Parker. Shane spoke a few minutes and said, Darlene, with all those, tell him, Shane, you're not a real bad boy. And God loves you. When everybody else thinks you're bad, God sees something good in you. And your mother sees something good in you. Death everywhere. And Moses' mother did not act in fear. Faith never acts on what it sees or hears. Faith acts on the Word of God. What you see and what you hear can kill your faith. But what she seen and heard didn't kill her faith. She believed that God would save that boy. And this ought to be every mother's voice. It shall not come near my house. Hmm? Everything God created, He created by words. And God is a spirit. And Jesus says, my Father works. And they said, how can we do the works of the Father? He said, believe. We are a spirit. And our spirit ought to speak what the Word of God says. And do what the Word of God says. And it's just what she did. She did what God had said to do. You ought to say, it shall not come what? It may come to everybody else. A thousand may fall at your right hand, ten thousand at your left hand, so to speak, but it shall not what? Come to what? My house. Death was everywhere, but she believed death was not going to come to her house and destroy her young child. 
And she believed that and she acted upon it. So they asked Jesus again, how can we do the works of the Father? He said to believe. And he that believeth will what? Speak. And he that believeth will go to work in action and have faith and put their faith to works. Clement Stone was raised by his mother. She had to clean houses. They were very poor. But she taught him the Word of God. She taught him to never to go to bed at night until he read his Bible. He never went to bed at night, even after he was grown and he lived on this earth, until he what? Read his Bible, because that's what his mother taught him. And he became a multi millionaire during the Depression when everybody else was struggling so bad. When you put God in your house, put God first, and make sure He's first, He's going to put you first. Huh? Henry J. Kaiser grew up during the war when everything was so bad. He became known as a shipbuilder. He told the world how many ships he could build. So many been destroyed during the war, and they said it's impossible, it can't be done. But he believed what his mother had told him, instilled in his heart what God can do. How many know if you believe God, all things are possible with who? That the person that believes God. Nothing's impossible. Someone went to see Dr. Robert Shuler one time and they had to wait a few minutes and they were reading through the dictionary and they come upon the word impossible in the dictionary and it had been blacked out. Been blacked out. When they went in to talk to Robert Shuler, they asked him about that. He said, I do not believe in the impossible. I only believe in the possible. All things are what? Possible. Dr. Ben Carson World-renowned neurosurgeon for children was raised by a single mother in poverty with his brother. She couldn't hardly read. She had to clean houses for a living. She could tell that Charles and Ben was going down the wrong road. She didn't know what to do. She got out on her knees and prayed and asked God for direction. God heard her prayers and God told her what to do. That's the way she lived her life and God would tell her what to do. I want to encourage you, mothers, when you're having a problem, get out on your knees and pray for your children. God hears prayers. God answers prayers. God answers Ben's mother's prayer. There's a national best-selling book called Gifted Hand by Dr. Ben Carson. It's all about his mother and what she had put into them in the most difficult, trying times of their lives. And on her deathbed, all the family gathered around, all of her children. And they brought their instruments of music and they played songs. They worshiped and praised God. Because what she had put in them 
they worshiped and sang and praised God, and she passed away and went to her reward. The list is endless in the world about mothers. Brother Sam's going to come and bring to you, but Peggy never, maybe that may not be a good word, but that's close, never put Jenny to bed at night when she was born until she prayed over I want to encourage you mothers, teach your children to pray and read the Word of God. It not only brings you success with God, it'll bring you success in this natural world. Because nothing is impossible with those that believe God and walks with God. I could give you many stories that I've seen through the years, single mothers. One had four children work with us. Husband refused to play child support. Told the judge, put me in prison. I won't pay it. But she went to school at night to come get a management degree. It wasn't easy, but she did it. I want you to know all things are possible when you believe God. And put your trust and put your confidence in God. Because if God is for us, who can be against us? You ought to say it's not going to come near what? My house. That's what David said. Those tens of thousands fall beside you. It's not going to come near my house. And the just lives by faith. You have to speak the things of God that you want to see happen. Like God spoke the world in condition, we have to speak. And it shall come to pass if we don't grow weary and if we don't faint. So God bless you on this day of Mother's Day. You ought to be saying right now, this is the greatest day of my life. It's the greatest day of my life is today. And I'm going to live today because tomorrow will never come. If you're trying to live tomorrow, it'll never come. You have to live on. This is the only day you got to live is today. God bless the mothers of America and all over the world that's made things like it is today. Brother Sam is coming. God bless you. Well, happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. I am blessed to be a child that still has my mother and both of my grandmothers and a wonderful mother-in-law and, and Mimi-in-law who are just like another mother and grandmother to myself. I'm surrounded by some great mothers in my life, and I want to honor them this morning. If you would turn with me to, um, we're going to look at Genesis, starting in Genesis chapter 24. And as you're turning there, I just want to read a couple of verses of Scripture from Exodus. Exodus chapter 3, verse 4 through 6. It says, When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, 
the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And when Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. And now I want to fast forward many years and many chapters of the Bible later to Acts chapter 3. It says, Peter saw his opportunity and he addressed the crowd. And this is what he said, people of Israel, what is so surprising about this? And why stare at us as though we had made this man walk by our own power or godliness? For it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all our ancestors, who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. And this morning, I don't want to talk about Moses and the burning bush, and, and I don't want to talk about Peter and John and, and this instance of them having uh, pulled up a crippled beggar by his hand to his feet as God healed him. I want to talk about a mother, a mother from the Bible by the name of Rebecca, who may have just changed the name of God. That's right. This mother from the Bible in Genesis that we're going to read about may have changed the name of God. And that's something to think about right there. Because over 430 years before Moses would, would walk the earth and before God would visit him uh, in the midst of a burning bush and reveal himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, 430 years before that, there was a woman named Rebecca. And over 1,800 years before Peter would preach a sermon telling the people that he was talking about Jesus being the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, over 1,800 years before that was a mother named Rebecca. And so here's point number one. I want you to say this with me. A mother is strong. Come on. If you, if you know it, I mean, all of us do. Mothers are strong. Mothers are strong. They are incredible, absolutely incredible. And uh, as men, we get reminded of that all the time. We're, we're told all the time, you know, that mothers are strong. And my wife tells me, she reminds me pretty regularly that she birthed two children. Just to let you know, Sam, I birthed two children, and they both have the wisdom head, which is quite large. I'm told that often. And so, you know, I, I jab at my wife a little bit. Here in three weeks, we'll have been married for 10 years, and I don't know how she puts up with me because I'll say stuff like, yeah, I know you birthed two children, but I was in that same hospital room on the same day, and it wasn't that hard for me. It wasn't that painful. You're talking about the pain. Birthing a child wasn't that painful. I was there the whole time. Didn't experience that. But what I did experience was this. You were in the bed as I was, as I was standing on my feet beside the bed for eight hours. You're going to complain. You were laying there in the bed for eight hours while I had to stand the whole time. Not only that, but when the time came, the doctor comes and says, come here, and she hands me a pair of scissors and requires me to do a minor surgery on our 17-second-old child and clip the umbilical cord while you're sitting in the bed complaining. Y'all want, I don't know why she's still with me, y'all. <laughs> this whole time, I'm, I'm, on my, I'm on my phone trying to respond to text messages and phone calls from your family and my family. Is he here yet? Is he here yet? Is he here yet? And the whole time, all these nurses are, are running around the room, and I'm having to dodge people, and I'm feeding you ice chips, and I'm doing all this. You think you had it tough. She loves me so much, y'all. She loves me so much. 
And you can imagine the amount of sympathy she has for me whenever I remind her of the difficulty of being a father on the day of our children's birth. (laughs) But we know the truth. Mothers are strong. Mothers are strong. They're strong. And this story in Genesis chapter 24 will show us just how strong a mother can be. It says in Genesis 24, starting in verse 58, it says, so they called Rebekah. Are you willing to go with this man? I got to give you just a little bit of a backstory. Isaac, his mother, Sarah, had just passed away. Isaac was 40 years old, and apparently he was a big mama's boy because he had a hard time sorting through and coping with the grief of his mother's loss. He loved his mother, Sarah. He loved his mother, Sarah. He was the the child of promise that Abraham and Sarah waited so long for. And he apparently was close to his mother, and so now his mother's passed away. And and Isaac kind of, he he goes away for a little while to grieve and to mourn. And and while he's away, his father Abraham, apparently, he's like, man, we've got to get this guy a wife. He's 40 years old, and he's still the mama's boy, and he's not doing well right now. He needs someone in his life to take care of him. Apparently, that was his thinking, because Abraham sends his servant back to their original homeland to find a woman, a wife, to bring back to Isaac for him to marry and to love. And Isaac, this whole time, he's, he's just mourning, and he's in grieving, and the servant, he goes back to their homeland, and And he prays this prayer that God would give him great success in in finding a woman that would be suitable, the woman that would be suitable for his master Isaac. And and while he's there, he prays this very specific prayer. And he says, God, let the the woman that comes to the water to draw well, uh, comes to the well to draw water, let her be the one. If she says, I will water your camels also, let her be the one for for my master Isaac. And we see God answers this prayer in a very miraculous way. And this whole meeting, this whole union between Isaac and Rebecca, I'm sorry, Jacob and Rebecca. No, I'm, you, I had it right the first time. Sorry. Y'all, I'm going to be kicking myself for three days because of that. But Isaac and Rebecca, this meeting was a God thing. It was incredible. And so while the servant is there, they call Rebecca and they say, are you willing to go with this man and And she replied, yes, I will go. So they said goodbye to Rebekah, and they sent her away with Abraham's servant and his men. The woman who had been Rebekah's childhood nurse went along with her, and they gave her this blessing as she parted. They said this, our sister, may you become the mother of many millions. May your descendants be strong and conquer the cities." of their enemies. And skipping down to verse 67, it says, Isaac brought Rebekah into his mother Sarah's tent, and she became his wife. He loved her deeply, and she was a special comfort to him after the death of his mother. Someone say mothers are strong. We see this woman, Rebekah, And we see just how much strength she had to leave her homeland and go so far away that she knew she would probably never see her family there again. And she wouldn't. She would never go back. She would never see them ever again. She would die in the land that she would move to over with Abraham and Isaac. And she was strong for being so committed to go and to to be married to this man. And, And not only that, but we read the next chapter later that it says that, 
Rebecca was unable to have children. So you can imagine the pain and the, the grief that she must have experienced as she's leaving her home, her home city and her family, and they say, may you become the mother of many millions. And she's probably excited because back in this time, Jewish women, if they had many children, it would mean many blessings. And if you didn't have children, then people would look at you as, as someone who must have sinned terribly against God. And the more children you had in that day, in that culture, the more the husband cherished and honored his wife. It's kind of messed up, but that's the way it was. <laughs> and so you can imagine how excited she must have been to receive this blessing from her family before she left, but then she was unable to have children. And the Bible tells us that Isaac pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife, Rebekah, and God answered Isaac's prayer, and Rebekah became pregnant with twins. But for 20 years, she was unable to have children. My wife and I are blessed to have two wonderful boys. They're crazy, but they're wonderful. I love them. But I have family and I have close friends who have struggled to have children. And several of them have expressed with me their heart and the, the pain and the grief that they have living on earth, knowing that they may not ever have a child that is their blood. And if you know any, if you've struggled with that, or if you know anyone that struggled with that, can I encourage you? or encourage you to encourage them, do not give up on the promises of God. The promise for Isaac was that he would have a child and that God would bless his child and make him into a great nation. The promise was for Abraham. The promise was for Isaac. He knew it, but they were unable to have children. Listen to me. The promise may be long in coming, but God is faithful. Someone say God is faithful. And if we could learn to be a little more like Rebecca, because I know the Bible doesn't tell us every single thing that happened, and I imagine there was some disappointment and there was some frustration in the heart of Rebecca. But you know what? The Bible never tells me that she became angry with God or that she cursed God. She waited 20 years in prayer, and God made her a mother. Some would say mothers are strong. You've probably heard there's a phenomenon uh, that can happen in the human body called hysterical strength. It's a lot of times uh, observed in mothers, and the hysterical strength is, it's like an adrenaline rush times a thousand. And we hear these incredible stories of mothers that, that lift cars off of their children and, and do incredible things in that moment. And hysterical strength is described as, as being a, almost a superhuman ability that a human can possess when they're motivated to save the life of someone that they love who is in immediate danger of death. There's a story that I found this week of a woman named Amber Dyke. She had a seven-month-old son. This was in 2019, and her seven-month-old son was asleep in his room, and she was asleep in her room. It was about 4.30 in the morning, and she woke up to the smell of smoke and noticed a glow outside of her bedroom door. 
And so she opens her door and rushes through the flames to go and get her seven-month-old son, but she's unable to escape the house. They're on the second story. The whole first story is engulfed in flames at that moment. So she takes her son back into her room and calls 911. And she waits for 15 minutes in her second-story bedroom, and the smoke becomes so intense and so thick, she has to hold her son, Damien, outside of the second-story window so that he can breathe. Meanwhile, her two dogs had collapsed from, from being unable to have enough oxygen to breathe, and, and so she's standing there holding her son outside of their window so that he can breathe, waiting on the emergency services to arrive, and, and finally the flames start to get so close that she makes a decision, I've got to jump. And so she cradles her son, Damien, in her arms turns around backwards and jumps out of the window back first, hoping to cradle her son to save him from any, any blow that they might receive going on the way down. On the way down, she falls 19 feet, hits their barbecue grill on the way down, lands on her back. The baby is completely unharmed. She fractures a vertebrae but still able to get up and run him to safety. Shortly thereafter, the emergency services arrive and her house collapses in the fire. Hysterical strength. Someone say mothers are strong. Mothers are strong. And I have never seen or witnessed anybody or anything that loves as strong as a mother loves. There's another story of a woman named Lydia and Giu. She's from northern Quebec, and in 2006, she fought a polar bear weighing 700 pounds to keep this polar bear from attacking her seven-year-old son who was in the backyard playing hockey, of course, because they're in Canada. The polar bear comes up in the backyard and starts approaching her son, so she gets in between her son and the polar bear, and the polar bear attacks her. She fights the polar bear, kicking it, punching it, wrestling it, Long enough that a neighbor heard the commotion, comes out of his house, sees what's going on, runs to his brother's house, grabs a gun, loads it, runs all the way back. She's still fighting this 700-pound polar bear. He has to shoot it four times to kill it as it is on top of her, swatting at her. You would think you would have to be a a pretty big person to fight a 700-pound polar bear. But Lydia was five foot tall, even, weighed 90 pounds. She fought this bear for minutes and came out with a couple of minor scratches and a black eye. Hysterical strength. We're talking about mothers are strong. They are strong. And we see this in Rebecca's life. She would become a strong mother. Here's point number two, a mother listens. Mother listens. In Genesis chapter 25, it tells us a little bit of the story we just spoke about. It says, Isaac pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was unable to have children. The Lord answered Isaac's prayer and Rebekah became pregnant with twins. But the two children struggled with each other in her womb. So she went to ask the Lord about it. I want you to notice this. She went to ask the Lord about it. Why is this happening to me? She said, And the Lord told her, the sons in your womb will become two nations. 
From the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other, and your older son will serve your younger son. And when the time came to give birth, Rebekah discovered, someone say discovered, that she did indeed have twins. This story is so interesting to me. Because in these four verses of scripture right here that we just read, we read that Isaac prayed and we read that Rebekah prayed. And God answered the prayer of Isaac and through his answer, Rebekah became pregnant. And then Rebekah goes to pray and the way that God answers her is with words, with a promise. God answered Isaac's prayers, but God spoke to Rebekah. You know, the reason I think that he does that is I believe women are just better listeners. They're better listeners than, than men. We, I don't know. I tend to just, my mind just floats off to a million other things. And, and a lot of times someone will be saying something to me and I'll have been standing there for a couple of minutes and realize I didn't hear a word they just said. And I feel bad about it. I do. I know it's rude and disrespectful and I don't mean to, but sometimes my mind just wonders. But if you've ever been in a hospital room, maybe you've gone in for a checkup or, or something like that, and if a husband and wife goes together, the doctor comes in and he delivers the diagnosis and, and then he starts to tell about the plan of treatment and, and what's going to happen in the recovery process, I guarantee you out of those two people, one of them is going to hear and remember what the doctor says, and the other person is going to remember what he wanted to eat for lunch after the visit, Right? For some reason, women have this ability, whenever it comes to things that are important, to remember, to listen, to really not just hear, because the man will hear everything the doctor says, but the woman will listen and remember. <laughs> most of the time, I know that's not every, everybody's relationship, but most of the time. So God speaks to Rebecca, and she listens. The other day, my family and I, my, my wife, my two sons and I, we were in our living room and my oldest son, Jack, he's five, he, he was playing with something or doing something, I don't remember exactly what he was doing, but he wanted to get Emily's attention. So he did like every five-year-old does. Mama, 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 mom, mama, mom. And Emily's on her phone, she, she's probably doing some work. And uh, she's, she's not one of those people that's glued to her phone. So she's on her phone. She's probably busy. And so she was on her phone. She was doing something. And Jackson said, Mama, Mama, he's 10 feet away from her. And probably 13 times, Mama, Mama. And so I, I, I was just watching this happen. And finally I said, hey, Emily, are you still with us? And she, huh? Do what? I said, somebody over here is really needing your attention real quick. <laughs> Oh, yes, honey, what is it? Later that same night, we are all in bed. My sons are in their beds, and it's probably 3.15 in the morning. And at that point, you're in a deep sleep. And from my youngest son's room in the back of the house, and we sleep in our room with our box fan going. I don't know how anyone can sleep without white noise. It's just not possible for me. I've got to have my box fan going. But we're in our room with our box fan going, and from the back of our house comes this, Mama! So our little one-year-old son, Luke, 
Before those words finished coming out of his mouth, Emily had thrown off the covers, jumped out of the bed, and was halfway down the hallway before he had finished saying that one word. And I'm still like, what's going on? Who said what? (laughs) Mamas just have that ability to listen. To listen. They've got the ability to, to... have selective hearing too whenever the kids are over there, mama, mama, mama. But whenever they're really in need, they have that ability to hear that cry and to listen intently. I, whenever it happened, it happened so fast to me. Maybe it didn't, but to me it was fast. But it happened so fast, I, I thought it was like scripted. Like, you know, Emily was like, okay, son, at 3.15, I need you to cry, and I'm going to be ready to go. Like, she, it was just so fast. It was so fast. Mothers just have the ability to listen. And I love Rebecca in this moment because God gives her a very specific word. She didn't just hear you're going to have twins, but God gave her a very specific word. You will have twins. There are two sons, and one son will be stronger than the other, and the older son will serve the younger son. Y'all, that's a very specific word. And I want you to notice that God felt it in his heart to speak it to her many years before this would ever happen. And Rebecca, being the mother that she is, whenever something was coming to her ears about her children, she listened. Church, I think we could all stand to be a little bit more like a mother and listen intently when God speaks. Unfortunately, I think a lot of us we hear God's voice so faintly that many times we even question whether God spoke to us or not. But that's not the case with Rebecca. It says she went to the Lord. She went looking, to, looking for an answer, and God spoke, and Rebecca listened. A couple of years ago, my wife's car needed a new brake job, and uh, my wife was, was driving her car. We were going, we had an appointment set up with a, with a uh, brake repair company here locally. And, and uh, that morning we got in our vehicles. I had to go to work. So I was already kind of frustrated. I'm like, okay, well, I got to get you over there. I got to get you back home. And then I got to go to work. And then I'm going to have to come pick you up and then go get your car. And so I've got all this going on in my mind. I get real antsy if something doesn't go as I planned anyway. And so it's something I got to work out. But anyways, we're on our way to the repair shop. Naturally, my wife pulls into the gas station before we go there because although she will listen to the Lord, she very rarely listens to her gas gauge and until it's past empty and dinging at her and lights are going off and sirens are flashing and, and all this kind of stuff. Oh, I guess I need to get some gas. And I hardly let my vehicle get below half a tank. But anyways, drives me crazy. That's neither here nor there. Anyway, she pulls into the gas station we fill up her car with gas, and then she's like, all right, let's, let's go. And so she pulls out again. I'm in my truck behind her. And, and uh, on the way to the, to the brake shop, she pulls into another gas station. And I thought, my goodness, what is going on? So I pull out my phone, and I call her and say, everything okay? And she said, yeah, I, I don't know. After we pulled out of the gas station, I just felt like God told me to go buy a cup of coffee for the mechanic. I said, what? Well, I, don't, I mean, I didn't feel him tell me that. 
So I, I don't know. I'm just going to pull in right here real quick, and I'm going to buy a cup of coffee and give it to the mechanic whenever we get there. I was like, okay. She buys a cup of coffee. We get to the break shop. We had our appointment set up, and we, we pull up in there. She goes inside, and I'm waiting for her out in the truck so she can drop her keys off and, and come back out to the truck, and we can be on our merry way. But she comes back out of the shop, still holding the cup of coffee, and comes up to my window. And she says, well, the mechanic can't drink the coffee because he's got a health condition. He can't have the caffeine. She said, also, he's a couple days behind in his work, and so he can't get to the car today. But he told me about a, another mechanic a couple miles down the road, and we can go over there and see if maybe they can get it fixed up. So I said, okay. And so we're pulling out. She's pulling out, and I'm pulling out behind her. And, and I'm thinking, well, she really missed that one. <laughs> she missed God on that one. We pull into the other mechanic shop. We had no appointment set up, nothing. We pull in there, and my wife, you have to know her. She's, she's just, just this lovely soul. She walks in, and I'm waiting out in the truck, and she tells him, I guess, what's wrong, and she comes back out. And whenever she comes out this time, she's got the biggest smile on her face. I'm like, okay. So she comes out there, hops in the truck. I said, well, are they going to be able to get to the car? She said, yeah. She said, she said they are. She said, he was really excited about the coffee. I said, well, you, what did he say? Because if someone comes to me and is like, hey, I brought you a cup of coffee to a complete stranger, you know, I'm going to be like, thank you. You know, probably set it aside and I'll tell him what might be in that cup of coffee. She said, well, when I went in there, I just told him and said, you know, this may sound strange, but this morning on my way to get my vehicle fixed, I, I just felt God telling me to buy a cup of coffee. And she's like, I don't know if you drink coffee, but, you know, here you go. And she said he was very appreciative. You know, well, thank you. That, that's very kind of you. And so I thought, okay, well, you know, that's, that's cool. You know, maybe God spoke in this situation. I don't know. Later that day, the mechanic calls us, and he says, hey, I looked at your brakes. You needed all new pads and rotors. And I, whenever he said this, I was like, hang on a second. We only wanted the front pads and rotors changed. I didn't want all of them changed. And, I, you know, instantly that man inside of me, like, oh, no one's going to take advantage of me at a mechanic shop, you know. I'm like, hey, well, you know, he's like, but he said, we, we changed all four, but I'm only going to charge you for two of them. I said, wow, thank you so much. That's very generous of you. And then I was like, wow, that's, you know, come on, Sam, you can do better than that. You should know God is good. We drive to the mechanic shop. We go in to pay. He said, you know what? It's on me today. Thank you for the coffee. I don't know how many times you've had to go to a mechanic, but it's never on them. <laughs> at a mechanic. <laughs> it's always on you at a mechanic, and it's usually on you for a lot more than you expected it to be on you. This is what he said. He said, whenever you brought the coffee in and told me that God told you to do that, he said, I felt it in my heart. God tell me to take care of your car. And I was like, so my wife does hear God, all right, <laughs> in that moment. Come on. In that moment, I felt God speak to my spirit, and he said, Sam, whenever your wife says she heard from me, you better listen. You better listen. It's just a little reminder from God that for some reason, God has built within a mother's heart, probably just within a woman's heart, <laughs> to be a better listener. Here's the last thing I want to leave you with. A mother remembers. A mother is strong. A mother listens, 
and a mother remembers. A mother remembers. Genesis chapter 27, starting in verse 1. It says, One day when Isaac was old and turning blind, he called for Esau, his older son. Remember, Rebekah had two sons, Esau the older son and Jacob the younger son. He called for Esau, his older son, and said, My son. Yes, father, Esau replied. I am an old man now, Isaac said, and I don't know when I may die. Take your bow and a quiver full of arrows and go out into the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare my favorite dish and bring it here for me to eat. Then I will pronounce the blessing that belongs to you, my firstborn son, before I die. I want to read that last part again. Then I will pronounce the blessing that belongs to you, my firstborn son, before I die. But Rebekah overheard what Isaac had said to his son Esau. So when Esau left to hunt for the wild game, she said to her son Jacob, the younger son, Listen, I overheard your father say to Esau, Bring me some wild game and prepare me a delicious meal. Then I will bless you. Someone say bless you. In the Lord's presence before I die. Now my son, listen to me. Do exactly as I tell you. Go out to the flocks and bring me two fine young goats. I will use them to prepare your father's favorite dish. Then take the food to your father so he can eat it and bless you before he dies. Someone say that's sneaky. But look, Jacob replied to Rebekah, my brother Esau is a hairy man and my skin is smooth. What if my father touches me? He'll see that I'm trying to trick him, and then he'll curse me instead of blessing me. But his mother replied, listen, this is the heart of a mother. Then let the curse fall on me, my son. Just do what I tell you. Go out and get the goats for me. So Jacob went out and got the young goats for his mother. Rebekah took them and prepared a delicious meal just the way Isaac liked it. Then she took Esau's favorite clothes, which were in the house, and gave them to her younger son, Jacob. She covered his arms and the smooth part of his neck with the skin of the young goats. Then she gave Jacob the delicious meal, including freshly baked bread. So Jacob took the food to his father. First of all, how hairy do you have to be that goat skin would feel like your own? My goodness. I've always thought, how in the world did they, because if you read further on in the story, Isaac, he, he can't see, he's, he's going blind, and, and so whenever Jacob goes in, he's got the goat skin on his arms and on his neck, and, and Esau feels his arms, and he's like, okay, that's my son, <laughs> Esau. Wow. Anyways, that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. I just thought it was very interesting. I've always struggled to picture that in my mind. Here's what I want to say. We look at the word of God and we see Rebecca. She convinces Jacob to be deceitful and to lie to his father Isaac in order that he can receive the blessing. And I think it's interesting that the Bible, a lot of times with its characters, it'll tell us what happens, but it will never tell us 
really the result of their actions. It won't tell us whether what she did was right or wrong or justifiable or unjustifiable. It, won't, it doesn't tell us that, that uh, Jacob did what was wrong. He receives the blessing, and, and Isaac, as you read later on, he, he gets, whenever he finds out that he blessed Jacob instead of Esau, it says he shook uncontrollably, and he screamed out. In other words, he was very surprised that he had just been fooled. And, and we, we read about this and we wonder, I don't know, that's kind of sneaky. That doesn't sound right. But I want you to remember this. Whenever Rebecca went to God saying, what's happening within my womb? God told her the promise. He said, you will have two sons. They will become two nations. One will be stronger than the other, and the older son will serve the younger. That was the word of God. That was the promise. And Esau, as he's lying there in his bed, he tells his older son, go cook a meal, for, go kill an animal, cook my favorite meal and bring it to me. Then I will give you the blessing. Someone say the blessing. The blessing. At this time, Esau had already sold his birthright to his brother. Jacob already possessed the family's fortune once Isaac had passed away. And Isaac was telling him, I'm going to give you the blessing. This is a spiritual blessing. And whenever God spoke to Rebecca and said, your older son will serve your younger, he's talking spiritually. One will be more dominant because one is going to follow my will and my way and the other will be less because they're going to go after worldly things. And Rebecca hears this word and she remembers this word all of these years later. Now her boys are grown. And Isaac says, Esau, come in. Go hunt. Come back, I will give you the blessing. And Rebecca overhears it, and she remembers the word of God. How many of y'all know mamas don't forget? Mamas don't forget anything. We were going through some old clothes our, our older son had grown out of, and we had kept behind. And our younger son now is growing into a lot of these clothes, and Emily's pulling some of these, these clothes out that are from a few years back, and She's like, oh, my goodness, do you remember this? And I'm like, no, not really. I don't. She's like, you don't do that. It's so cute. I'm like, well, first of all, you have, to, you have to know that I don't remember what the boys wore yesterday. I don't remember what I wore yesterday. I'm definitely not going to remember what Jack wore years ago, especially because they grow out of them so fast. But mothers don't forget anything. Oh, I remember he was wearing this shirt and playing in the backyard and the sun was setting and, and there's a breeze blowing by and they don't forget anything. Rebecca hears this word from God and it's still playing in her mind all these years later. I want you to notice this. Rebecca risked deception to follow God's promise because she believed so strongly that what God had said was true. And the Bible leaves it up 
to us to, to look at and to examine, I guess make a conclusion for ourselves, was, is what she did right or wrong? I don't know. Here's what I do know. She listened to the word of God. She believed the word of God, and she acted on the word of God. And because of that, 430 years later, God would describe himself to Moses as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Because it, had it not been for Rebekah, Isaac was prepared to give the blessing to Esau, and God's name would have been the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. But because of this mother, because of her strong determination, because of her willingness to hear and listen to the word of God and her willingness to remember and act on it, God forever will be describing himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so we see Rebecca, a mother, changes the name of God for all of eternity. That's incredible for me to think. I think we could all stand to be a little bit more like Rebecca. I'm not saying that wives that you should try to deceive your husbands. That's not what I'm please don't do that. Please don't do that. <laughs> but what I am saying this. We could all stand to have Rebecca's heart in that we have a strong faith in God, a strong, determined faith in God, that we listen to his words and that we step out in faith and we act on his words because we know his words are yes and amen. His words are true forever and ever. The Bible is full of encouraging stories about mothers Come to find out, if you look through the whole Bible, there's really not a great example of a father besides God, of course, in the Bible. <laughs> all of the fathers made some serious mistakes, and all most of the fathers in the Bible had conflict with their sons. <laughs> but the Bible speaks about mothers in such a way that you see that, that God has just blessed them with that care and that compassion and that, that loveliness and that nurturing heart and spirit. So I think we could all stand to be a little bit more like mothers. And here's what I want to challenge you with today as we pray and close. Your challenge today is this. Simply encourage the mothers around you. Give them some encouragement. You don't know what word they may be holding in their heart for their children or for those around them. But here's what I do know. If a mother has a word from God in her heart, she is holding it dear in her heart. The Bible tells us that whenever the shepherds and the wise men came and visited Jesus, what did Mary do? She said, it says that she stored all of these things in her heart. We never know what a mother may be holding in her heart, but here's what I do know. If we can encourage our moms, then the entire world will be blessed because of it, because we'll begin to see those words budding and flourishing out of their hearts. Father, we love you so much. And I pray that like Rebecca, God, that we would have a strong faith in you, that we would be strong men and women of God, Lord, that we would listen intently to your words, God, and that we would remember your promises and act on your promises every single day of our lives. God, I pray that you would bless our mothers, God, that you would encourage them as only you can. Lord, we thank you for them. They are such a wonderful gift from you. And God, I pray that they would be encouraged as they go out today and every day. Lord, that you would begin to build up the things that you have planted inside of them and that the world would be blessed because of them. In Jesus' name, someone say amen. Amen, amen. I love you so much, church. Happy Mother's Day to all of our mothers.